Best friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 446 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about automakers as a lot of us now uh, are, are considering buying an EV. I know that I'm considering that. I know that everything I'm building... I'm making sure that I'm putting in car chargers. I, we house a lot of traveling nurses that come here. That's the first question they ask. Where can I plug in my car? But is there something that car makers should be doing now when it comes to our safety and they're not paying attention? Let's talk about it. Also, is it true that everybody is becoming a landlord now around the country? kind of seems like it. feels like it. Should you be becoming a landlord? Or does it take a certain... Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. We're going to head down to San Francisco because a lot of times what we see happen in San Francisco, it's interesting because Ron and I lived in San Francisco, and, and we always paid attention to Seattle because we came here to go to school at the University of Washington. So this has always been home. And as far as our adult lives go, even though we lived all around the country performing radio in places like Dallas and Phoenix and, and New Orleans and San Francisco, list goes on I think to about nine different cities we've always considered Seattle home we've spent more time here as adults than we have anywhere else uh, so we've always paid attention to it even when we didn't live here and we were out of market doing radio and it seemed like Ron things that were happening in San Francisco would happen about 10 years later here in Seattle seems like now fast forward with the tech boom everything that's happening in San Francisco seems to be happening six months to 18 months later here in Seattle it feels uh, like it has accelerated, so it's one of the reasons why you have your eyes. First of all, do you agree with that? And and it's one of the reasons why I think you have your eyes on, on stories coming out of San Francisco. Yeah, I saw a couple stories story. I wanted to get your take on. The first one was so San Francisco is very neighborhood centric in the same way Seattle is, and so there's a neighborhood called the Castro uh, in San Francisco that is a very vibrant neighborhood. There's a lot of uh, construction that happens, a lot of really uh, great small businesses. has a, has a really great feel. A lot of mom, mom and pop stores, great restaurants, great retail. And so the business owners in the Castro um, are struggling with people posting up on the sidewalk outside their business and living in tents, um, doing drugs openly, panhandling, uh, defecating, like all, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like, the Castro would probably be Pioneer Square here if you're if you're going to compare them. Uh, maybe or parts of Fremont, maybe parts of Ballard yeah. uh, would be similar to the Castro. And so um, the business owners have all done the same things that happened in Seattle. They've called the police. They've had the neighborhood watch. They've done all the regular stuff of trying to remedy this, calling in, you know, their their local shelter, you know, to writing letters to the mayor. They've put uh, out buckets for people to pee put and out poop, buckets. poop in, and then the health department shuts them down and says, you can't do that. So then they just 
go back to just defecating right there on the sidewalk in front of these businesses. So the um, the, the people in the Castro, and, and I hadn't thought of this, but it's brilliant. They are banding together with the other business owners in their neighborhood, and they're trying to recruit other neighborhoods besides the Castro, and they are saying this. Collectively, let's stop paying all of our city taxes, all of our city fees. We're basically going to hold them in escrow until the city responds to this crisis. And so if one business does it, you know, it's relatively easy for the city to crack down on them. But if all of the small businesses band together and they say, hey, hey, uh, city council, hey, mayor, you're not getting one dime of taxes from us uh, and one dime from our fees until you remedy this. And so I think to me, that's a brilliant solution. It, it may cause a lot of uh, turmoil in the short term. What do you think of that solution? Not only there, but for people in Seattle that are in those neighborhoods that just continue to have a merry-go-round of this problem over and over and over again. I, I walk around downtown Seattle a couple times a month when the weather's nice, and it's 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 alarming what you will see on some of the streets in downtown Seattle. Yeah, I think it just takes a mind shift. And, and all of us are so fearful of being in the crosshairs. And I know a lot of politicians are. They don't want to appear to be anti-homeless. They don't want to appear to not have empathy. They, they just don't. But I think, I think we have found the tipping point, And I think the tipping point tipped. And the difficulty now is in a lot of these cities... You, you have derelict RVs that nobody wants to tow. And the reason they don't want to tow them is because they have a type of coolant in those refrigerators that takes $1,500 at the landfill to, uh, to deal with and, and, and to remedy. $1,500. Well, if you've ever been inside one of these RVs, you guys, and I was talking to someone the other day, it was a friend of mine that's a cop, and, and they show up on scene where a lot of people have been murdered. Because cause right now... Our, I think we're up to 49 murders here in Seattle. She's a CSI detective, so has to show up at all these. And she says, you walk in these RVs and the rats are so friendly. They just, they just, they just hop up on your boots. They'll hop up on you. They'll jump up on your show. They're they're Nobody, nobody wants one of these RVs in their, in their junkyard. Plus to tow that thing, it's about a five, $600 tow. Most of these RVs don't run. And, and, and so it's become a real problem. And you've seen it in your neighborhood, I know you have, where they will come in, they, the, the city will move the RVs, or the county will move the RVs, and then the RVs come back. So now what's happened is people have gone out and bought these huge concrete eco-blocks that cost about $25. Uh, private businesses, as soon as the RVs are moved, they're, they're going out buying these blocks, and they're scattering them everywhere. And, and the thing that sucks about it is now no one can use that parking, right? No one can use that park. No one can have access. It's like, well, I'll tell you the difference, though, in my neighborhood. As soon as they pulled out some of these RVs and then there were guys underneath this bridge that have been chopping bikes for two years and just walking up in our neighborhoods and breaking into our cars and our sheds. Typically, they don't break into our houses, though. They, they break into our cars, our sheds, uh, and every once in a while, they'll, they'll break into a home. They're, they're just rolling through the neighborhood, just checking doors because they know that any night, 8 to 10% of us 
think we locked our car door and maybe the battery was out on our fob and it's not locked. So they go in there, they need to find $90 a day to do with their drug habit because most of them have a drug habit. And so it's petty crime. We don't have enough cops to arrest them. Jails don't want them. Nobody wants the RVs. No one wants the tents. No one wants the rats. There are open beds tonight at the Union Gospel Mission. There always are, but people don't want to follow the rules. And in the midst of true homelessness and and mental, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of people here that struggle mentally. And then what do they do to deal with their mental illness Hey, if you're a heroin addict, you're everything addict, right? And so let's say that you have mental illness. And then on top of that, you're experiencing homeless. And then on top of that, the drugs are so potent today that no one can function. We, we really have to decide as a society, what is the next step going to be? And we have to have politicians out there that are willing to take on these quote unquote homeless advocates, because I don't think they're advocates at all. Um, and I can go into what I think being a true advocate would be, because I think I am one of those. Uh, we just have to decide as a society what we're going to do. And there's a real concern about pe- taking people's rights away. And you, you, and my son said the other day, well, they should just arrest them. And then we went down the rabbit hole of what happens when you arrest somebody. They're out the same day. You can clean that area. They appreciate the maid service that is the city of Seattle. And then they go right back. So, for instance, where they pull out these RVs that were chopping bikes, if some private business doesn't get down there and put up these eco blocks, within a week, there will be other trailers then that will go in and take up that space and just begin to do the same thing. So do you think the civil disobedience of just not paying the city any money will get the attention? Well, it's, it's creating a conversation here in Seattle. A couple of guys that have a podcast. I think that's what they're trying to do, create a conversation. And, and then we as voters have to look at this. Who, who are we voting into office? And a lot of times, if you're to the left, people see the left is not being law and order. And I think for a lot of us, we want law and order but we don't want the kind of law and order uh, that we've seen on some video cameras involving some officers, involving some black men that are running and get shot in the back. We, we don't want that. So these are all very complex issues. There's, no, there's not a yes or no answer here. There's 18 sides to the story. And I think, though, as a society, we do have to deal with the complexity of the fact that this is there there are 400 business 419 businesses in downtown seattle that are just gone they're gone and at some point some of these cities are going to start looking like detroit where in the downtown core it's just gone because people don't feel safe and i'll put a bow around this i can't tell you how many businesses i know that have left Seattle and they've gone over to the east side and we've even seen that with amazon and a lot of the tech companies quite a bit we're seeing them show up on the east side because they feel there's law, there's order, uh, they feel it's safe, there's good schoolings, and it's an expectation that they had in the city of Seattle or a place like San Francisco, uh, and, and they're not getting that. So anyway, we'll see you guys. When the Martin family wanted to buy a house in Seattle for their son, Connor, after he got out of college, they turned to Ron and Don. Sent a message in their little portal, got a message back within about five minutes from Don, and he set up a phone conference for about a half hour later. About two days later, we were out touring houses with them. Before they started working with Ron and Don, the Martins kept getting outbid. They just didn't realize how competitive the market is 
but the guys worked tirelessly to find them the right house and then came up with a winning strategy to get it. They said, if we go in at this amount, we think we can we think we can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. And now their son has the perfect place for him and his two dogs. And the Martins say they couldn't have been more impressed with Ron and Don. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. It, they seemed very enthused for uh, you know a deal to get done and for us to be successful. And that felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. And if you're ready to buy like the Martins or sell, your journey starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com. Whether you've tuned in for the radio show or the real estate business, you're in for one heck of a show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I think a lot of us were sitting home during the pandemic looking online and saying, hey, there's a cool car. There's a cool car. Trying to understand EVs and how does that work and what does it mean to have three motors versus two? And Do I really want to buy a car that can only go... 300 miles on a single charge or do I want to want to pay more money or it could go 500 uh, and with it just kind of being the start for a lot of us of this new technology coming to market do I buy now and regret what I bought or do I wait five years from now and buy something that's different that I perceive as being very very cool I think a lot of us too are waiting for the prices to come down you look at the Ford F-150 Lightning uh, people could go out and buy those trucks, you know, for sixty to eighty thousand dollars, and now people are turning around and selling those for one twenty. They're doing that with the Hummer too. Anyway, Ron, there's an article out this week that says that maybe some of the car companies, when it comes to safety, because we have more traffic fatalities in the United States than we've ever had before, and we're talking about people being killed on bikes. People being killed on motorcycles, people being killed in crosswalks. A lot of this death is happening on arterial roads in cities. That's one of the reasons why the city of Seattle, where you see a lot of speed limits that have been 35, are now down to 25, and people are still rolling through at 45. They just are because there's there's only nine there's only nine bike cops in the city of Seattle right now. Uh, to stop us all from speeding because again the the policing issue and the policing problem only nine only nine that's incredible that also means the city's missing out on a lot of cha-ching right because they're not out there and they're writing those tickets anyway uh they are saying that these ev companies need to think about the way that they're building these cars they could build them a lot safer and they're not. What's the? I, I've read this article. I think it's a bunch of crap. Uh, this is, in my mind, an alarmist writer, and his thesis is this: that now that the uh, electric vehicle companies are going into SUVs and trucks, that the battery packs required make the vehicles heavier, and with the greater mass. Uh, on a on a Ford truck or an SUV or a Rivian, uh, they weigh about uh, 25 to 30% more than the gasoline versions. And so therefore, when they have an impact with a human being or another car, that it's more, more deadly. I mean, I guess the math might be true on that, 
but I, to try to extrapolate that into they are more deadly, and so therefore uh, it's the EV's fault that uh, you know we've seen these spike in in traffic fatalities. His data doesn't support that. His theory doesn't support that because the vast majority of cars on the market are still gasoline powered cars. And so to try and connect those dots, I don't think he connected the dots. I think that the article uh, is misleading in this way. It's a great clickbait, but this to me is one of those examples where if you are a critical thinker and you really look at what he's trying to say uh, in the article, I don't think it holds water. I think that the upside of getting gasoline-powered cars off the road, even if the battery packs are a little bit heavier, um, I, I don't know. I just think it was a lazy piece of journalism. It might be true, but this guy didn't prove that it's true. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And I have been thinking about electric car. Wait a minute. I, I bought this car. You I thought buy it was going to be my last all the car. Time, and then you told me this is the last I time know. I'm buying a car. And I'm like, it is. no, no, it's not. It it's is. Not. And I've thought it's about not. the. It's not. If it if I do get another car, it's probably going to be either a work truck. You get another. You, or I'd want to get an electric you're car. You're hanging on to this car. I've, I have been hanging on to it. It's it's worth like you what I paid for it still. But how long have you had it? No, I'm not buying a new car anytime soon. I think I'm just so. thinking if I do want to buy a car, it'd be an electric car. I don't think there's You're, anything wrong with that. You just I see cars as a utility, and you get bored of cars, and I'm I don't I don't I don't receive boredom or excitement from any any car. You I think, I, you receive excitement from your dump truck. Don't tell me you didn't. That's true. Because I saw you drive that dump truck around, uh, right. and like, you would get your jean jacket out and your yeah. and your Ray Bans on, you're not and you got your I'm Merle so, Haggard playing in I'm there, so, and you're like, "Oh, look at me driving my dump truck!" And I'm, I'm going to scoop it up and take it. You know, you love that dump I'm truck. I'm so proud of my son. We were out school shopping yesterday, and guess what he picked out? Don't tell me you got a jean jacket. A corduroy. It's at the bottom of the stairs. I'm surprised you didn't see it. A corduroy jean jacket with the built-in fluff. Oh my god! <laughs> How did that DNA That's get passed me, down? That is me. Oh, You're corrupting that. America's youth. Yeah. All right. More coming up, you guys. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, people start the loan process, and for a lot of folks, there's a huge amount of anxiety because they think, "Oh man, my credit score is jacked. I am not going to be able to get a loan, or if I do, it's going to be a really bad rate." Can you help with that? We sure can. So the first thing we do when you take an application, if you're ready, is we pull your credit and we run it through our credit repair program. And they're going to give us a whole bunch of guidance on how you can quickly jump your score up. So I, we had a client recently who actually was able to a jump. A Ron and Don client, I might add. <laughs> it sure was. And she was able to jump up her score 60 points and actually get into the premium pricing range. So she went from not that good a rate. 60 points is no joke. It is no joke. And we do that frequently. So make sure you call us quickly because a lot of people who don't think they can get there, get there quick. All right. So there's no need to be ashamed. You don't have to feel like you're hiding under a rock. There's going to be no judgment on this. Go to Mitch.Loans, start the process, and get the ball rolling. He he could probably most likely get you a credit jump as well. Mitch.Loans is the website. That's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys. Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, there's an article I just read that said a lot of us are becoming landlords uh, around America. And a lot of us are learning that if we can't afford real estate in Seattle, where median price of a home is approaching a million dollars, 
and over on the east side, it's well exceeded that. Even if you live in a bedroom community, you know that $500,000 these days doesn't buy you what it did a number of years ago. So people are starting to invest out of market. But when you invest out of market, what does that look like? Is that a good investment? And I think about one of our one of our clients. Uh, we helped him buy a home last year. He and his wife in, in Fremont, we've helped them with a number of real estate deals. And they had been living out in Suncadia. And then the Lees decided, you know what? We want to live in Seattle. So they bought a home. He's in construction. So they bought a home that they could add a lot of value to, which they have done. So now they're living in that home. And typically what you would do if you were the Lees is you'd pick up the phone, you call Ronnie Don, say, hey, we need to sell the home in Suncadia in order to make the home in Fremont make sense. They don't have to do that. Because there's great managing teams out in Suncadia, and I don't know what managing team they're using or if they're managing themselves, but he sent me a note the other day and he said, hey, we got our first short-term rental. What do you think? And he sent me pictures of their short-term rent. It looks awesome. It looks, it looks amazing out in Suncadia. And, and, and so he and his wife now are able to either run this themselves, and if you run it yourself, you just make more money. Your ROI is just bigger. You just have a better rate of return. Or if you go out and you hire a management company, they might take close to 10% to manage something like that. If it's an Airbnb, they're going to take more because they, they have to be involved in that property all the time, cleaning the property and taking care of your clients and your guests that come. But what it does is it allows them now to own a home out there. And let's say that they own this home. And let's say it doesn't even cash flow, but uh, they're paying down the debt. I had a friend that, that bought a home out in Suncadia three years ago, and she bought a condo for $550,000. Today, that home is worth $1.1 million. That's without even cash flow in the thing. So think about what that home is going to be worth when she hangs on to that for 10 years. And she's doing something very similar. She lives here in Seattle. She has a management company out there managing it. It cash flows a little bit. It pays for itself. It pays down the debt. She can go and visit anytime she wants to her own house. So can the Lees. They can go and visit their own house. They just jump on their calendar and they book themselves. And it's a really good, smart way to kind of mom and pop building wealth. And for people out there that didn't feel like uh, or don't feel like managing a property because they're so busy. There's a lot of great companies out there that you guys that will manage the property for you. And yeah, some want a bigger chunk more than others. But even again, if it doesn't cash flow, as long as you're not feeding a property, if you can hang on, it's called being a buy and hold investor. Can I buy a property and hang on to it for at least three years, five years, 10 years? Then down the road, you 1031 exchange that house, meaning. Uh, you go out and you buy a bigger property that has more doors, which means more checks, which means more income. That's a really great way if you're in your 40s and 50s now to come hard charging into retirement when you decide you're going to retire in your 60s and 70s. I think that's really cool. And I, and I think any time you could, because think about this, most of us grew up, you just get that one W-2 check. You have one form of income. And when that form goes away and you get older, then you have... Maybe you have a 401k, maybe you had a pension. A lot of people don't have pensions anymore. A lot of people today, the majority of Americans and boomers have saved about $64,000 for retirement and they are so dependent on Social Security. And Social Security doesn't, doesn't put a lot of money in your pocket, especially if you live in a state where a lot of that is getting taxed. And it's just not by the state, but by the federal government. So 
Anyway, congratulations to uh, the Lees. You've heard me talk about them before on this podcast. A really smart way to continue to build wealth while they approach middle age. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, the other thing that that uh, article talked about was the real game changer for a lot of folks is being able to do stuff online. So there are portals now where you know you can buy or invest in a house in a market that you you may never even visit the house in person. Uh, you can do it through REITs, real estate trusts, or companies that have set up to where you actually own a place and you never visit it, <laughs> you're paying a management company to do it. And it's like, well, I live in Seattle, I can't afford it here, but I could afford something in Raleigh, or I could afford something in Oklahoma, or I could afford something uh, in the Gulf Coast. And I own that, my name's on the deed, but I, I never go there, I never do the maintenance. Uh, it's just an investment for me in the same way that I could have bought a stock, but instead of buying the stock, I buy this house. The, the internet has really changed that. And there are a lot of interesting companies and entrepreneurs that have set up that business model where they allow someone from out of state to own a property and never even see the property in person. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don show. If you need to get in touch with us, as friends, as broadcasters, or as realtors, uh, Ron, how do they do it? Just email me, ron at ronandon.com. You can uh, check out a bunch of our real estate stuff at ronandonsitdown.com, or you can email Don directly, don at ronandon.com. Yeah. Don't forget, you guys, if you're thinking about buying a piece of real estate as far as an investment goes, this is when you need to pay attention. In fact, uh, a lot of people look at Warren Buffett, and Warren Buffett is an interesting investor because kind of in the last downturn, he said, you know, I don't really understand technology, so I don't buy technology. And then he went out and he bought technology. And look at the Apple stock that he owns today and what it's worth. It's really incredible. And so you can teach an old dog new tricks. 92 years young today uh, and still eats a little McDonald's every day. <laughs> and look at Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Look at the investor. The Buffett brothers, how things are working out. Jimmy Buffett is amazing. He's in the top five rock and roll uh, income earners of all time. That's amazing. Oh, the two songs. And he did it off a, of, what was the second song? The ham cheeseburgers in paradise. Oh, yeah. That's and Margaritaville. That's amazing. Anyway, all our parents dress like Jimmy Buffett. Uh, so New Orleans boy done good. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. Anyway. Hey, you guys need us. Just reach out. Everything's at ronandonsitdown.com. Until next time, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you right here for the next episode of the Ron and Don Show. Episode 447. It'll be here before you know it. All right. On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.